Hello listeners and welcome to the latest Arc Attack podcast. It's Adrian here and today I'm joined with Stu Cambridge, the sensible software legend. In this great interview, he talks about his work on sensible soccer, sensible golf and of course, cannon fodder. So sit back and enjoy a really great interview. Welcome to Arcade Attack. A retro gaming podcast for up to four players. So, Stu, brilliant to have you on Arcade Attack. Really is an honor to have you. I'm a massive fan of the games you've worked on. Um, so, thank you so much for your time today. Oh no worries! Oh, that's very nice of you to say. Oh, it's, uh, it's it's nice when people uh, contact you after the you know years of playing your stuff and they they uh, you know they say they like it. So it's all those extra hours I worked are certainly worth it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm I'm a huge Amiga fan, and um, I, whenever whenever I saw sensible soccer on a box, I I knew there was quality. So it, you know it, it, the reputation was huge, hundred percent. Yeah, it, it, I think, I mean, I was, a, I, I must say I'm a big fan of the Amiga, but I mean, at the time, it, it, it really was, you know, like this amazing bit of kit, you know, yeah. so as a game developer, you know, you just try and get the most out of the machine. I think that that proves that, you know, what we achieved on it um, speaks for itself. But it was, it was, it was, it was a great machine. I actually really miss the Amiga. I know you can play yeah. it now and you can do it, but I do, I do miss it because it, it, not just for the actual machine, but for what it represented at the time, it was such a, an innovative machine. 100%. Yeah, yeah, I can't deny that. Let's, can we re- rewind the clock a little bit? If that's right. Let's do mm-hmm. We're talking that's about fine. the Amiga. Trust me, don't worry, we'll get to the Amiga. Um, <laughs> what, do you remember your earliest memories of gaming when you were growing up? And have you got any really fond memories? Um, I do actually. I I um, I grew up in the eighties, so I, I you know I was born in nineteen sixty nine. So I, I was around at school when the eight bit computers were really sort of coming into the yep. into the market. And um, I I had those little LCD. Well, they weren't LCD. They were those little handhelds, like the Game and Watches, and um, some of those those little yep. sort of glowy ones um like astro wars and what's the other one there was like some invaders now i remember those used to go into tandies so they were like some early things as well as the arcades at the time like space invaders galaxians you know pac-man all the all the old classics but the one of the one of the memories i i have got is when the um when the spectrum had come out and uh where i went to school we had like a science block and you could walk walk sort of passed it and you would see the teachers with and they had a spectrum in the science block and you'd see them at lunchtime all huddled around a spectrum playing games yeah. <laughs> and in my school we didn't have spectrums we had bbc micros yeah. um, so we, this was like hang on a minute how come they get the call machine to play <laughs> games on and the bbc micros which is a cool machine there's yeah. never any games on it because they didn't let us have games on in in school so um that was one of one you know as far as like the games industry stuff goes that's probably one of the earliest memories i've got of actually video games you know at the time being played uh you know but uh but i i, I mean i, I say i grew up in I grew up in the 80s so it's really all the old classic arcade machines were, were probably where the uh the center of my attention at the time because they they were just like mind blowing you know at the time see all these, these like cathode ray tube screens glowing in the dark and you'd be all huddled <laughs> around with your mates and you know putting your 10 p's in yeah um and you couldn't do that at home you know you couldn't do you couldn't do what you do now you can come home and play them on an emulator or, or play them on your on your computer or a console it was like that was it so um yeah 
Yeah, nice good, good times actually very good I'm, I actually look back now I think I was quite fortunate to have been around at that time to see the, the sort of the birth of it all and, and to be around where all these technologies been being created and you, you're witnessing it for the first time it's it's quite nice to look back on that and think yeah I was I was, I was around at then to see it when it came in so it's good well, yeah that's a good point yeah very mm. good um I'd love to know how you first got your the opportunity to work in the industry though uh, and do you remember the first game you ever worked on Oh, um, how did I get into the industry? Well, I it was a bit of a weird one actually because I kind of got in and then got out. Um, I did some programming on the sixty four. I did do a little bit on the Vic twenty, but not a lot. It's yeah. a bit of basic. And I got a Commodore one two eight, but I only used really sixty four mode. And I started sort of coding on that. Um, and I was getting all my core routines running, like scrolling and sprites and all that sort of thing. I wasn't very good. I was, mm. you know, I was okay. And uh, the shoot 'em up construction kit come out, and uh, it's like it's fate, isn't it? It's just bizarre. And I thought, oh, I'll give it a go. And I originally just tried it out just to profile a few ideas in my head to see if I can get things moving. And um, I just sold it. I created this game called Battle Ball, and I just sold it to, to uh, I think it's Powerhouse, it was a really nice. budget label. <laughs> and they took it, and they took it, and they paid me just before they went under. So I was really fortunate. So I got the money from that. And that was my first kind of little step into the industry. And then they went under, and that was it. <laughs> so, but thankfully, I managed to bank the check before they disappeared. And the money I used for that, I put towards buying an Amiga 1000, which had literally only just come out. Oh, wow. Um, and I, mean, I was working. I, was, you know, I, was, I, I used to work for um, the British Rail at the time. I was a technician on the railways. Yeah. Yeah, it's just crazy, you know. Um, <laughs> it's pretty crazy, actually. It's pretty crazy. I was a, t- a technician, so, um, and so I would I would do my normal shift work and come home, and uh, I'm not living at home with my parents. I was only I was only like a teenager, mm. um, and um, I'd got this Amiga 1000, and uh, I had a friend of mine who who had some games out on the 64, and uh, you know over the course of time I'd I'd got some graphics together on the 1000 and started to you know really get to use D Paint. And uh, my mate said to me, oh, he said, well, I've got a, someone I know they're looking for an artist to do some graphics for some projects. You know, give us a disc and I'll, I'll pass it on. Mm. And that literally was it, you know. I mean, I did the rounds before. I'd gone around a lot, a lot of these London-based publishers with discs and given them to it out to everybody. But I didn't really have a lot of success. It was like, yeah, okay, we'll, we'll contact you and we'll contact you. Because yeah. it was a bit of a closed-door situation because unless you've got something published, a lot of them probably, you know, say, oh, well, yeah, we'll get back to you. So it's like, well, how do you get something published, you know, to get through the door? Um, and yeah. I mean, a lot of my early work was okay, you know, it wasn't fantastic. But yeah, so I, I'd got this, got this, this mate of mine and he, he took the disc and he gave it to this, this publisher and that publisher was Impressions, who, who basically gave me a break in the industry. And I did a, did a handful of games for them. And the first one I did was an Amiga game um, called Renaissance One, ah. which was also released as, I think it was called Classic Four, um and that was uh basically two versions of each game you had space invaders galaxian centipede and asteroids and um we just did like a, a traditional version which was based on the original arcades and then i did another set of graphics which was like a contemporary version with like updated graphics uh, and that and that was it you know and that was my first published title you know that actually made it into retail you know and battle ball never made that on the 64 because i said it went under so up until that point i'd never had anything out there that was you could go into into a computer shop and buy yeah it must so, have been pretty yeah. crazy did you walk into a shop and see your game on the yeah, shelf yeah 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 it was wonderful it was, it was, it was, i mean the feeling is just like no other because you you know you could bear in mind there was no internet back then um yeah, yeah. There's, there's nothing like that you know everything anything you saw 
was in print. So it was like your, your monthly computer magazines. And I don't even think, I don't even, I mean, there was, there was bi-weekly uh, magazines. Uh, I think it was like, it wasn't Micromart. There was, another, there was a couple that were coming out every two weeks, but they were black and white. So mm-hmm. the only bit of information you'd get about games was in the, in the monthly games press, like computer video games um, and all these sort of magazines. So going into a shop, and then seeing a title that you'd worked on on the shelf and then flipping it over and seeing your screen, you know, your screenshots on the back of your game, you think, wow, you know, um, it's brilliant. And that feeling never goes away for me anyway, you know, it never goes away. Even, you know, I mean, nowadays you don't, you know, you, you, it's different, but yeah, you know, you see things in print, you know, stuff I've written or, or articles, or even on like websites. It's just nice to see that, you know, yeah, yeah. the stuff done is out. It's great. It's really good. Did you, a bit of a personal question, but did you get like commission for every game, that was yeah, sold. Or? Yeah, I got royalties. I mean, I didn't didn't get royalties on the initial ones I did with impressions. Um, yeah. And to be honest, I I didn't really um, understand the 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 number of sales that you would get to to to, to make the royalties. But I I, pay, I was paid okay yeah, for yeah. the work I did. Um, but initially, it was mainly to get like some some titles under my belt to build a bit of a portfolio, um, and then I can use that to to progress further, and which is what I did. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, if I could go back in time, I'd certainly be a bit more savvy with some of the business decisions I'd made because the the early titles, I don't think they sold big volumes, but I'm mm. sure that I could have squeezed a few few sort of uh, bits of percentage out of them to to pay me extra. You know, I appreciate, but, it. Yeah. yeah, that good stuff. Was your next step? sensible software then is that right or it was yes i did how, yeah uh, how did that come about well i said i was I've talked about these 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 computer magazines that come out every couple of weeks uh and i and i for the life of me i wish i could remember the magazine it was um i don't even think i've got it anymore but there's an advert in the back of these magazine that had uh it was, there was a bit in the back that had all developers game developers and publishers would advertise for staff and they'd advertise for like games or artist programs, etc. And I saw this little, I think it was like either a quarter page ad or a half page ad. And it was from Sensible Software. Now, bearing in mind, I was a big, big fan of their Commodore 64 stuff. So for me, it was like, wow, you know, Sensible are hiring. Um, and I, I literally, <laughs> I, I, I ummed and ahed and thought, oh, I don't know if I should send anything off. Oh, you know, he's, they're not going to want me, you know, you know, this little, you know, this, this teenage kid from sort of, sort of, you know, from Ilford in Essex, he's not going to, you know. Um, <laughs> and I undenied and I thought, do you know what? I've got nothing to lose. So I put a portfolio disc together, all what I thought was my best work at the time, sent it off. And um, lo and behold, I got a letter back asking me to go up for an interview. Um, and I think I was shortlisted to cut the story a bit short. I was shortlisted from 10 people they had on their hit list. And it was between me and this other guy. And I just, I just beat him to the, to the post with the, wow. with their score. Like they'd scored all the graphics. Um, and I, I just beat this other guy to the post with one. <laughs> and I was like, wow. And John actually gave me the list. Like, I think oh, he really? gave me the list. Yeah, I've actually got the list somewhere in a file of, of all the candidates that they Ooh, had. I, and I, I'm never, I'm never going to show that, by the way. <laughs> just, are there any big names on there? Is, is there? Do you know, I honestly can't remember. I honestly can't remember what the names. I've only, I only ever looked at it. I think twice since yeah. I've had it. Um, once when it was given to me, and the second time I think years later when I, when I was going through the boxes and archiving some of the stuff. Um, but I've always said to myself, no, don't look at it. <laughs> 
because if I see somebody out there, I think, oh, I know that guy. So, oh, yeah, you could have, you could have had the job I had, and <laughs> you know, you might have yeah. changed the course of your history. It's uh, bizarre. I find it really like it's like sliding doors, isn't it? But no, Stu, mm. you, you deserve that. I'm sure you obviously work really hard to get that position, but mm. it's it's crazy, isn't it? How the world works, really. Very much so. Very yeah. much so. Um, oh man, sensible software. I mean, just <laughs> just as a fan, just as a, a punter who bought your games, yeah. I always got the impression that obviously the games you produced were amazing, high quality, but it always seemed like a sort of fun uh, atmosphere or kind of rock and roll lifestyle. Is, mm. that, is that a silly thing to say? Um, I would probably say the image was probably more rock and roll than the actual reality. Mm. <laughs> um, it was fun. I mean, it really was an awful lot of fun to, to, to work there. And I've said many times, it's also very hard work. Mm. You know, you, you don't you don't just turn up and have a laugh and then go home. Um, often you turn up and you didn't go home. <laughs> You'd end up working all night. And um, but you know, we you know we all had the, the same outlook on what we was trying to achieve. You know, we we knew that we had to get stuff out. We knew that we had to work to the best of our ability. And you know, the bottom line is, you know, why do do something if you're not going to do your best? Mm. You know, and I still use that approach today. You know, whatever I do, I always give it my best, even no matter what it is, whether it's a single set of sprites or whether it's like you know some concept art or writing or illustration whatever it may be always give it 100 percent, you know because oh, good. it should never so basically at the time you know we, we 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 just had a great laugh and i think that shows in the games you know mm. we had a good laugh but it was disciplined it was a it was a disciplined you know system and we all we all had to kind of discipline ourselves to get the work done because ultimately you don't want to let your teammates down if you're if you're dragging your heels of course. so if something needed to be done you know you'd, you'd, you'd work through the night to get it done you know so for instance if, if, like with cannonford if i knew that jules i don't know was expecting some uh, soldier sprites that were going to be swimming yeah. and he was working he was working on the code to make them swim in the water and and and, and i hadn't done the graphics I would know that tomorrow he wants those graphics. So I think, okay, well, I'll work tonight, get them done, and then they'll be ready for him tomorrow. And that yeah. way I know they're there for him. And then I would, I would then, you know, go and get some kit, and then when I come in, he'd have them in, you know, and that's how it worked. Mm. So it worked bright. It was great. It was really good, really good environment. Yeah, good stuff. What, what was the first game you worked on at Sensible Software then? Uh, the first, I was, I was brought in to do um, Cannon Fodder. That was the first really? title I was brought in to do, but I didn't actually start working on it straight away. Um, there was a lot of controversy at the time with with Mirosoft going down. So there was a lot of you know ah. what was happening with Mirosoft, and that threw the company right up in the air because there was a possibility that Sensible would have actually gone under because they, oh, wow. they deals they had with Mirosoft were you know were basically that was it, it was over. Um, so, yeah, it was quite it was quite desperate for for a short while. Um, so I did. Uh, well, the first the first thing I did was a thing called Simbrick. I don't know if you remember the cover disc for Simbrick. No, I don't. I'm afraid <laughs> that was the yeah. If you go, if you Google or, or Bing it or search it somewhere, Duck Duck Go or whatever, you do Simbrick. You'll um, <laughs> and it was literally a kind of a we was taking the the uh, the mick out of um, Simant that had come out. Ah, uh, yeah, I know Simant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the idea was that you just had to drop. You had to drop a brick on an ant, um, and then we called it Sim Brick. And you just had this giant brick, and you this ant would just walk up and down, and then you just click the button, and the, that it would just release the brick and squash the ant. And that was it. That was my first. <laughs> that was my first lot of graphics I ever did for Sensible, wow. and uh, and I did that as an all nighter because I was trying to impress. I thought, yeah. you know, 
impress the guys here. You know, let's just let's do an all nighter. You know, I'm hardcore, <laughs> me. I'm gonna I'm gonna do an all night to prove I'm worthy. And <laughs> so, uh, yeah, well, I did, and that's what I did. So I did a full night, and it's like wow. Um, did those? That was the first stuff I did. But I think the first, I think the first product I did was Canva. I, I'm not sure if we did the mega megalomania. Mm. After I started Cannon Fodder or, or before, because I did the conversion of Megalomania to the Mega Drive. Mm. Um, I've got a feeling we did that just not long after we started Cannon Fodder. Um, but uh, yeah, because I started, I joined Sensible when Megalomania was just being finished and Wizkid had just been finished. So yeah. they, they, were, they were two titles that were just like in the, in the final stages and I, I joined the company then. So um, it was, it was uh, yeah, it was, it was really good. It was really good. Um Sensible soccer and cannon fodder. Is it true they were kind of made on made with side by side, like almost two projects working closely together? Um, yeah, I mean, we, like, I mean, we had where we the offices were, but we we were basically like, can't get me words out. And let me just have a little drop of my drop of my lovely cup of tea here. Right. <laughs> Slurpy slurp. Um, yeah, no, we we because we had we, we were based in March in Cambridgeshire, and we our offices were a big open plan office that was right next to the station. And um, so I had my desk in one corner. Uh, John had his desk, and then Jules had his desk, and then Chris Chapman and Chris Yates were. We all had our own little areas, so everything was developed in this one big office. Mm. So um, you had Wizkid on one machine, you had Sensible Soccer starting on another machine, we had like Cannonfodder starting on another one. So both Sensible Soccer and Cannonfodder were developed at the same time. Yes. Yeah. Um, although there's no overlap between the two in terms of technology or, or graphics or anything like that. They are totally separate. There oh. might've been a few, yeah, there might've been a few couple of borrowed routines from between Jules and Jules and Chipper. Uh, I know there was a bit of talk on certain things, but the code from both of those games are separate. Wow. I, I kind of assume like the, they have a kind of similar sort of art style, don't they? They call it the size yeah. of the characters and stuff. But yeah, yeah. No, fair enough. No, brilliant. I, I assume they kind of you kind of use all your assets a little bit over. But no, there you go. No, I mean, I mean, the the, the reason for having them small was purely, I wouldn't say by accident, because um, it is by design. But it's not by design to give ourselves a unique look. It wasn't say, hey, look, let's be known for tiny little sprites with lots of lots of play area. Um, the reason being is so you could see more of the play area. Um, and because the resolution of an Amiga is like 320 by 240, mm. you can't really do anything about that. You could go to high res mode, but then you you lose your speed of the machine. So everything's done in 320, 240. So you 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 know the only way to get more graphics on screen is to reduce the size of the sprites in terms of their pixel density, yeah, or the pixel resolution. So that's what we did, you know. And the same with Cannon Fodder, you know, Sensi Soccer had that because they wanted to see more of the, the soccer pitch, and Cannon Fodder took the same approach because we wanted to see more of the player and when you're dragging your soldiers about, yeah. And likewise, Megalomania. So I mean, it's a formula <laughs> that kind of worked, but it wasn't. Um, it wasn't. We had, you know, we created this look and we had, felt like we had to adhere to it. Mm. It was just down to the fact that that's what worked for those particular designs oh no fair enough no, that's great yeah. um i love sensible soccer <laughs> <I'm just> saying, <laughs> I, if i knew how many hours i put into that game as a kid it's it would be ridiculous i mean what was your exact role on the series um and i think you say you're not really a football fan is that fair or? no i'm not i'm really not and that, that's the funny thing is i i i i, I i have a very very small interest in football if that uh, and that's usually the world cup or occasionally if West Ham are playing and I'll, yeah. I'll glance over to see how well they're doing. Um, but that's about it, you know? Um, so for me, working on a football game was 
just like, well, you know, it's just another another graphics for another yeah. game. I didn't do I didn't do any of the graphics on on the original Sensi Soccer. You know, it's John John's area. He did all the graphics design and everything on that. All the graphics for that. Um, so that that was. You know that was that was his stuff, and that's his art, and that's all, all his all his work. Um, the only thing I did on in terms of the I did some of the stuff on Sense of World of Soccer. I did the crowd, and I did some of the menu graphics. So um, that was my involvement in that. And I did um, I think I did the logo, the loading logo on the original Sense of Soccer, which is the little sensible. Little sensible soccer, yeah. Not the sensible, the little sensible logo that comes up because John was doing one, yeah, yeah. In, on on his screen, and I I, I was um, creating one for Cannon Fodder just because you know I thought well because we used to, in the office we used to have a great big sensible logo which is mm. a bit of art on the wall it was massive, and I was drawing it and I thought oh yeah I'll, I'll do that in sixteen colours you know and I did did that and then John was doing one and I said well I've got one here you can use that for for sensi soccer and then oh, I just nice. go and he used that in sensi soccer. Um, but that, that's the only bit of art I did on the original game, you know. Oh, fair enough. Yeah, so, did, yeah. Did you play a lot in the office? Uh, I know there's, there's obviously lots you have to do a lot of work, but do you have a lot of time playing the odd game with uh, John and so forth? Yeah, I mean, continuously. When I, again, I never really played Sensi Soccer a lot in the office because I was always doing other stuff. But yeah. the, the game itself, Sensi, was getting an, it, it got loads of game time. I mean, people were playing it all the time. Yeah. Um, and I think that's why it's so damn good because it, yeah. it was played to death. I mean, every day it was played to death. And, you know, if if Chris was, was putting a new bit of code in or he tweaked something, you know, John would be there, he'd be testing it out, and then somebody else would have a go, uh, and then we'd give feedback to it and say, well, does that, how does that feel? And the whole process just went round and round and round and round and round until the whole game was finished and it was yeah. polished and, and playable to exactly how how it felt right. You know, it wasn't a case of sitting down with a, a list and saying, right, okay, we need to do this, 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 and this, and we'll have the perfect football game. Um, it's a case of right, try this out, right? Does that work? Yeah, it's all it, it works, but maybe we little tweak a little bit here or, or adjust that bit there, and yeah. you just keep doing that. Uh, and we used the same approach on Cannonford. I mean, Cannonford was yeah. exactly the same. You know, you just played it and played it and played it. I mean, I mean, when we when we when we finished it, I mean, I couldn't play it for about a year. I couldn't go near <laughs> it I, because I was sick of it. I yeah, was so yeah. I was sick to death of the game. I couldn't look at it um, because every day, you know, you're playing it and you're testing it, and you, you know, the it was just uh, and I, I really, really couldn't even look at it after after it had been released and the, and Virgin had took the master discs. That was it. I thought, right, I'm done with it. I can't, I can't <laughs> even do it now. I'm, I'm, I'm adding up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, um, yeah. Well. Both Canon, I mean, don't get me wrong, Sensible Software before Canon 4 and Sensi were obviously still really respected, a really massive mm. company. But those two games, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, they just took it to another level. I mean, you you were like the kings of Amiga for a good number of years. Is that a fair <laughs> statement? It seemed that way to me, at least. Uh, I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know, we, I mean, we, we, I, I'd like to think that we, we're proud of, I mean, certainly I'm proud of what, what, what I achieved there. And as a team, I, I don't think I could have wished for a better bunch of guys mm. to, to work with. Um, I think there was a lot of other developers who was, who, who was good. Uh, and I think technically we, we tried to do the best we could with the machine. And I think that, you know, it had to, it had to be smooth. It had to feel smooth. Um, I don't think that we sat on our arses and, and thought, oh, well, that'll do, you know, mm. just put it out. That'll do. We never did that. You know, we never did that. We, we, we always, you know, even if it was a cover disc for a magazine, whether it was an Amiga Power or Amiga Format yeah, yeah. One or one of these other magazines, whatever these magazines were, 
we always made sure that magazine had a decent cover disc. Um, even they were always top notch because we, we cared passionately about what we yeah. were doing. Um, and I think with something like the Amiga, it allowed you to, to create really, really cool games with, with some, you know, if you, if you, the hardware was so easy to, to get on with, you know, it was such a lovely machine to work on. You know, it could have been better. I mean, it was, you know, the Amiga 500, you know, it was, it was good. But, I mean, when they brought out the 1200, it had better graphics. Um, but it, for its time, it, it just let you do arcade stuff without, you know, requiring a, a games console or a, a big, you know, a, a serious bit of kit. It was there. It, was, it just did the job and I loved it. You know, it was great. Um, so I don't, I, I certainly, to go back to the original point, I don't, I don't think, I don't think I was aware that we would be looked at as these these like megastar developers. I mean, I still don't think that now. I think we, you know, we we were good at what we did, um, and we took pride in what we did, and I think that shows in the games, you know. So, mm. but maybe I'm just too modest. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, don't get me wrong. Bitmap Brothers, um, Bullfrog, uh, you know, there's some other huge respected. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you're well, up, I, you're up there in my eyes, definitely the oh, sensible software team. Oh, but it's oh, amazing. I mean, that people are still playing sensible soccer today. They've just, yeah, they're great, they're doing tournaments all around the world that still with the um, you know, they're, they're putting the new players in and so forth. But it's it's incredible, isn't it? Really, it certainly is. I mean, I I, I follow. There's a there's a I think there's a German there's a German website that does the sensible soccer league. Is I think it's a German guys who do set that up. Yeah, yeah. I know there's there's a huge huge presence online of sensible soccer, and I think it's fantastic that people are actually taking the game putting the new data in and you've also, and you've got all the current teams and players in there. I, I yeah. think that's fantastic, you know, because it's, it's proves that you don't need to go out and buy FIFA 2019 or FIFA yeah. 2020 and spend like 50 or 60 quid on a game every year. Um, and have loads of DLC. It's, you know, it's just, you sit there with a group of mates, you can have a good game of, of sensory soccer. You can put the new team data in, you've got all your players and it's great. You know, and I, I, I mean, I've played it, I played it last year. I haven't played it for a while, actually. Um, and I played it last year with my son because he was asking me about it. And I said, yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, he liked it. He picked it up straight away. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's a testament to it. You can just pick it up and play it. But when you when you start to get into the control system and you start to, you know, how to bend the ball and, and do all the, you know, passing, and mm. that's when it really starts to, take, you know, shine. And, and it shows you how good that code is that runs behind it all, you know, and, and it's such a playable game. So certainly, I'm certainly. I'm not. The thing is, I'm I'm saying that as not even as somebody who worked on it. You know, I'm I'm just I'm just like you know, like everyone else who just played it as a as a punter, really, because yeah, I was yeah. I never worked on it. So um, for me, it was like this is really cool, and I'm not into <laughs> football. So for me to say that, it's like oh, yeah, that's not because I don't play football games. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, one game, Stu, that you obviously really were involved in is Cannonford. I want to talk about that now, if that's all right. Yes, um, that's fine. Yeah, I mean, w- were you there from day one or was it already in development, early stages? How did the idea come about? Do you have an idea how, how that... How, um, how well, I, I, yeah, well, when I, when I answered that advert in that uh, computer magazine, that was the advert for the development of Cannon Fodder, which uh-huh. I didn't know. So it was Jules and myself were employed at the same time. Um, and we uh, we didn't know the project we was going to be working on until we'd actually started. And then we, we was told that, right, this is the this is the idea we've got. And it was going to be this kind of like sort of lemmings with guns, I think was mm. it was told it was something <laughs> it was like lemmings with guns. And 
you know, there's this one piece of paper with a few ideas on it. And that was, that was how we started. Mm. And it was really down to just sitting down and, and, coming up with some rough graphics. Jules would come up with some like code to get some soldiers moving around. We kind of had an idea of how we would do the terrain. Mm. Um, I mean, Jules done this really cool system with the terrain, you know, I mean, which, which I'd never seen before on a, on a, on a uh, you know, on a machine where you could have like a, you know, a bump, almost like a bump map on the actual graphics on the tiles. And, you know, when each tile could have a height and I think there was a, you could have like three or four heights per tile. So you could have like a very rough, sort of um overlay on the terrain which is why when you see them walking along say you know an area of grass and there's a hole they all dip down into the hole you know because i went through and and you can say well that's a hole mark that as a hole and then when they go into the water you see them gradually getting deeper and deeper until they swim yeah yeah and and that you know that's just amazing (laughs) but that but all this stuff developed along the way so i i you know i to, to be part of that from the beginning you think, wow, and a lot of this stuff you forget over the years because yeah, yeah. you work so so intensely at the time. When it's finished, you kind of move on to the next thing, and a lot of this stuff is stored in the you know in the archives of your brain. And then you know, twenty odd years later, and you, you talk to people about it, you say, oh, "I really like that game." You think, "Oh yeah, I remember, I remember that bit. I remember how we did that." Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's loads. I of mean, stuff. it's just little things. Like I think. Um way that if birds fly over you can shoot the birds mm. down is that correct it's just i just thought the graphics were amazing as well um it just it's it, it popped out it was so colorful um and even the sort of pint-sized soldiers had mm. something about them i mean when we when we when we um sorry that's my phone just turned it off whoops sorry sorry so um yeah when um when we put your sort of written review on our twitter stream and facebook oh yeah Oh my yeah. words! Everyone's going. Oh, I, I felt bad when um, Stu died, or, or yeah, we, we, you know, <laughs> how does it feel? I mean, that these really small soldiers were still like really. So you, you felt really guilty if they sort of died. It's absolutely crazy. Um, isn't it? Well, uh, yeah. I mean, this is, this is the really, really weird thing about about the um, the way the game changed for us when we was developing it because we we got to the point where we had all the little soldiers moving around and. You know, we had these groups because originally there wasn't groups. It was just like you had one single squad. And then I think John come up with the idea or Chris come up. I think, um, I think it might be John come up with the idea of having them grouped. And so we put that in and it was, it was worked. And then we had these names and um, we've got the names in there. Yeah. And so we put the names in and that was like, okay, all of a sudden these are real people, you know, and, and bearing in mind, you know, we, it's easy to look back now when we've got the, you know, machines like the PlayStation 4, or the Xbox One, where you've got these almost photorealistic graphics where, you know, blood and gore is in your face. It's like, you know, motion capture, they're using real actors. But back then, you know, there was none of those, you know, it was like little tiny pixel characters, but you, you kind of, attached an emotion to them because you're trying to protect that guy because he's got you know he's made up through the ranks and and you know he's got better firepower yeah so you want to protect him but once we put the hill screen in and we had the little recruits coming over and they're conscripted in and and they go through the little door and then they die and you think hang on a minute that guy you know oh he's dead now and you think oh i feel sad because i've kept him in throughout for you know two missions he's survived two missions he's done really well and then he's, he got shot by this little soldier i didn't see shot him from behind a bush somewhere you think ah, oh. and, and we actually did feel i mean i felt that when, yeah. when we got that in i was like bloody hell yeah i wanted i didn't i didn't want him to die he's, he's he's one of my best soldiers and he's dead you know and also i got like you know 
all the little privates coming in who have, have had no experience in, <laughs> in the game. They, and they're, they're in there and I've got to start from scratch again. So yeah. it was a really weird thing because I didn't, I've never even thought that, that was, you know, that would happen when we did it. And John said this before, you know, that it's, it, it's kind of like you associate like a, a person with that, with that little name. So therefore you kind of, you sort of have, you feel like a bit of grief for them in yeah, a yeah. very small amount because they're only pixels, but you do because you think, hang on, I've protected that goal all the way through the missions. Um, so yeah, it was a very, um, very strange thing, you know, and it, it really transformed the feel of the game, you know, almost overnight, almost overnight. Brilliant. I think it's, well, it's great. I mean, it just adds personality mm. to the game, doesn't it? hundred percent. That's right. That's right. Um, is there any particular piece of art within the game in Canafordia you're most proud of or any bit of animation you put together or anything? Um, there's a couple actually. Um, I did the the parallax sections between mm. missions. I'm I'm really pleased with those. Um, the later ones, I'd I'd like to. Have, I, I wish I'd done a few of them differently. Um, but you know that's besides the point, I suppose. But yeah, the initial the initial ones, I'm really pleased with those because I I'm a big fan of the arcade machines. You know, so for me, I wanted to do something that's really arcade style. Yeah, and that was my little way of saying, oh yeah, I want to get some arcade graphics <laughs> on the Amiga. <laughs> Um, and so that's one of them. And the other bit was the the very last set of missions where you're in the underground enemy base. Yeah. And um, I put some sort of um, alien bits in there, like some um, cryogenic chambers and things. Oh, and nice. I just put them in there just 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 for the hell of it. So it was an underground military base. You know, there's always a rumor, <laughs> isn't there, that the, the Americans have got, you know, captured alien crafts and, and they've had aliens. And I thought, well, let's put that in, you know, just for a laugh. And that's, yeah. so that's so I'm really pleased with those because I, I think, I can't remember if they actually did go in the aliens or not, but there was, I'd have to check, but I think I did. I know I did the cryogenic chambers in there, but I can't remember if I did them with the aliens in. I'll have to check that. But yeah, <laughs> I, I really like that whole area, that underground base bit. I was because it's quite dark and moody. Yeah, uh, and I, I really like that. But uh, overall, I mean, I'm I'm pleased with all of it. I mean, the only the the the, the only level I wasn't 100 percent happy with was the icy ones. I wasn't right. too pleased with the way they turned out. Uh, I think that if I did them again, I would have done them a little bit differently. Yeah, but having said that, you know, it you can't really go back and re-edit them all. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I'll do I'll do I'll do an update and, and do an update and I say, Yeah, this is a new patch to, to patch the game with new graphics. <laughs> I think there, there would be some people that would love that, to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, well, you know, it'd be quite funny actually. Random question, because obviously mm. you, you must have played the game, but did you ever personally play the game from start to finish while keeping your character alive? And did you kind of try and look after yourself in the game a bit more than your 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 fellow sort of teammates? Um, I did, yeah. <laughs> um, no, I didn't. I didn't play it all the way through in one stretch. I did play. Yeah. I have played every mission and completed every mission, um, yeah. but I haven't. I haven't played it sequentially from start to finish. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've only done it in fragments when we've been testing. You know, I mean, like I said before, we play, playing the game. You, you know, you're testing levels out all the time, and yeah. uh, and the thing is, the harder ones are all doable. You can complete them. You know, I've read many times where it's, oh, you know, these missions are, you can't plan. They're really difficult on the second disc. They, you know, they, they get really difficult. And but they are, you can complete them. And I've done it. You know, yeah. in fact, we have done that. So 
it's just a case of keep trying. <laughs> <laughs> it is yeah. a tough. It does get tough, doesn't it? I yeah, say. yeah, yeah. But I think the, see the thing is when 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 John was designing the majority of the levels, I mean, he had a learning curve in in, in he had like a graph which he'd had on a uh, very rough graph, and it, it was a learning curve, and you'd have like an initial learning curve of the game where you get in and you just like learn how to fire bullets, then you learn how to use grenades, and then you'd learn how to separate you into groups, and and then you get you know things like the jeeps or the you know the skidoos and. And and the idea was that you'd get introduced to something mm. and then you'd get used to that over, say, a mission. And then you then say on a later level, you'd then have to use that to the best of your ability because you already used it before. So you don't need to be introduced to it again because you've already had it. So then you then yeah. use that as a part of a, you know, to, to, as part of the, uh, uh, the, the, the skill of playing the level. Mm. And that's the way the whole game kind of worked. There's this difficulty curve that went from the start all the way through to the end. And the, the last levels are are quite difficult I and mean, they are hard. You know, some are very, very difficult. Um, I mean, I'm, I remember playing them in the office and thinking, "God, this is this is really hard." And then you yeah. do it and you think, "Ah, oh, I've done it." You but feel really, sense, yeah. But the sense of achievement after it is brilliant. You know, yeah, you, yeah. You know, and I and that's that. I think that's testament to the not just our games, but a lot of the games at the time because you put you invested your time and energy into it mm. and you got rewarded. You know, you got you felt like you'd really had earned something by completing a level. You know, which. I think was of the time, you know, you, you know, I think a lot of, a lot of developers at the time were doing the same thing where, you know, you'd invest time into playing it and then you, you, you'd be rewarded because you've completed it. Mm. And that's 100%. right. It wasn't, yeah, totally. Totally. Yeah. I think games nowadays are a bit easier. They kind of hold your hand, not, not all games, but a lot of no. modern games, there's lots of tutorials. There's lots of little help bits here and there, but I agree the old, the classic Amigas games. I think they, they really pushed you to your limits actually. Yeah, I think so. I mean, they, they really did. And, and, and I think that's, that's of the time. I think we've, we've, because we developed from a point where you had the eight bit stuff where there was no game saves or you might have had the odd sort of code yep. to type to save your progress um and you know we got to the amiga and then it was all getting a bit more advanced but you still didn't have the flexibility that you have now just instantly saving to the yeah. cloud or wherever coming back to it you know it was there and that was it i mean there was a few games that you could have a save disc in but i yeah, think yeah. we can afford you could save the game on can afford um but it wasn't as it wasn't like now where you have lots of different save slots and and you have sure, lots of yeah. different it was very convenient it wasn't back then it was like quite brutal the way you save stuff it was like load save done <laughs> so you know i don't it wasn't even time stamp so you think well i don't even know when i saved that game i have no idea <laughs> yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah oh fair enough um how about cannon fodder 2 i mean was it you said you were sick of the first cannon fodder but how mm. soon was it afterwards when you sat down and started to think about the the sequel well i i'd never worked on the sequel oh, believe really? not. I, I, no um i'd like to have done but um just to contradict myself from my previous comment, um, no, I mean I, I was working on Sensible Golf, so I didn't. Oh, yeah, actually yeah. Okay. Get, I didn't get to work on Cannon Fodder Two, um, which is, I mean, all my graphics were in it. They used all my graphics for it, and uh, I got, a, I obviously got a, a royalty for that. Ah. So, but I didn't work on the second one, which is, I wish I had really. In hindsight, uh, I think that it, I'd like to have done. If I'm honest, yeah. I'd like to have done. Oh, fair enough. Was there anything? I know we're talking about sensible golf scene, but mm, was mm. there anything you would have, if you had the chance, to to put into Cannon Fodder Two, to to move the game forward at all, or is there any areas of or gameplay mechanics you would have loved to have brought into it? Uh, my own personal view is, I think, I think we should have kept with where the first one ended. You know, I think we should have kept, um, so almost like it continues on. 
rather than being all new. I think we should yeah. introduce all new stuff to it, but kind of start off in one, maybe, you know, start off from the underground base where you left the first one and maybe do mm-hmm. a rescue mission. You know, I think, you know, if you because then you're offering options to rescue people as part of the game dynamics uh, and then take that forward. But I don't know. I mean, I, I it's very, very easy to go back and, and look at stuff and say, oh, you know, could have done this, could have done yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, at the time, you know, for reasons that I wasn't privy to, that it went the way it did. You know, it had this time travel kind of sci-fi, yeah, 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 uh, um, thing, which I personally never, never really understood. I never understood why it went in that direction. I always thought it should have remained true to the original, yeah. um, and just kind of developed from that and expanded on what that game offered, rather than take it into that strange direction of doing all this weird sci-fi stuff which i'm i'm really into i love all that sort of stuff mm. but i don't think in the context of canon fodder 2 it worked as well as it as it was probably mm. they thought it was. Uh, yeah, yeah i mean i've I, I played i played both and i have, mm. well i have to say it's the first one was more my cup of tea the second don't go wrong the second one was fun but mm. it just seemed more it's just a better fit i think the original kind of mm. sort of soldier yeah. kind of sort of style was yeah. there ever talk of canon fodder 3 i mean i what do you reckon? Could that ever could that ever be a possibility? Do you think? Um, I see. It's really strange because I I I would love to have done another cannon for the game. I still would. I mean, if someone said to me, "There's a pile of cash. Would you do a cannon for the style game now?" I'd say, "Yeah, I'm up well up for it." Because I, I you know, I, I there's so much that that you know you could expand upon from the original. Yeah. Um, I do believe, I mean, John, when, when sensible was sold to Codemasters, John got, uh, John was consulting there and I know he worked on a, on a, a Canon Fodder 3 project for them. And that was quite advanced. I believe I never saw it. I've not seen mm. anything of it, but from what he said, it was quite advanced in terms of the design and the development of it. It was playable and there was, there was quite a, was a team working on it. And there are people out there who've probably heard, who's listed this now, who've probably worked on it. And yeah, I, yeah. It was a great shame that that project, you know, um, just got canned. It, it, I, you know, it would have been nice to have seen that come out and to see what what was have been achieved, you know, all those years later. Um, yeah. There was that oh, there was that horrible kind of strange thing that they released Codemasters called Canon Fodder Three, which I, 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 from what I've seen, is just not Canon Fodder at all. No, let's forget about that. <laughs> yeah, but to yeah. me, what I did see that looks like someone's went to looks like someone's gone to them with a game and said, "Look, this is a game." They said, "Oh, we'll put Canon Fodder Three on it and sell it." Uh, that's what it looks like to me. Mm-hmm. I, I, but yeah, that that's not really Canon Fodder. But yeah, I mean, I, I, I think if we'd have, I think if we'd have stayed. Um, with the Amiga longer, not that we would have done because commercially it was dying. Yeah, it was dying, wasn't it? Yeah, if, yeah, which is a real shame. I think if Commodore, see, it's all it's, all these things are linked. You know, like with Commodore, you know, Commodore had, you know, I must talk to David Pleasance about this before, and and you know, I mean, he's a lovely bloke, David. You know, and, and he tells you some really, he's, the amount of stuff he knows is just phenomenal. You know, mm. and it's just a shame that his hands were tied with Commodore, you know, and they couldn't have done more. You know, because I think if that had, had a bit more life, the Amiga, and it could have yeah. developed, maybe we would, you know, 3D would have come in, but it would have given us a bit more of a smoother transition. And maybe we would have done an, uh, a Canon Fodder 3 at some point. But, you know, it is what it is. And, uh, you, you know, it's it's nice to sit here and kind of think, oh, yes, could that be nice? Could have done that. <laughs> um, we need the time. Today. We need yeah. the time travel powers from Canon Fodder 2, don't oh, we? Oh, that'd be fantastic. <laughs> yeah. um, <laughs> 
Sensible golf. I mean, are you a golf? Are you a golfer yourself? Is that a more the, your sort of sport? I, do you know, it's one of those games I've I've often thought about playing, and I I haven't. I've never played golf. Yeah. I, I've only played obviously the the old seaside crazy golf, which I I do enjoy. <laughs> yes. Um But I haven't. I've never played proper golf. So um, yeah, I've not. I've not really. I've, yeah, I've never played it. But I, the, the sensi golf, I was really into that. I really really. Yeah. Uh, I really enjoyed working on that. I just, it's, it's just a shame that it never got finished. You know, it was released without being finished. Yeah. And I yeah, think I mean, shows, yeah. you know, I mean, I noticed that there's lots of stuff in the game that, that I know graphically that wasn't finished and I wish I'd have had the time to have finished it. Um, but it, it, it kind of frustrates me that there's graphics out there that I've worked on that weren't finalised and they've mm. gone, they've gone to the duplicators on the disc and they've got released to the public. You know, that frustrates the hell out of me. Why was it? Why was it rushed then? Do you know, Stu? Can you remember why it was pushed um, out more quickly? Or? I think I th- I think it was purely because Virgin needed it out. I think it was to do with the it was basically the, the deal that had been signed, and they needed to release the game out for Christmas and to get it out the door. And I think we with everything that was going on at the time, I mean, sex, drugs, and rock and roll was bleeding the country. It was bleeding yeah. the country dry, I and mean, it really was. It was like a, it was just like this 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 big leviathan of of like financial woe that was sitting there over the company <laughs> and all the other projects suffered as a result and sensible golf was one of them you know i mean john john you know didn't get involved in it like he would do with normal um projects so his direction on what he wanted the game to be was wasn't as much to say it was with cannon fodder mm. um so we you know we didn't really the thing finished as we as we'd like to have done and i know that with with jules jules was working on cannon fodder 2 and sensi golf at the same time yeah which was crazy absolutely crazy so his devotion to to the projects was split between the two um so i don't know i mean it, you, you look at it and you think well it's a nice game but it's not it's not really up there with with the other titles it's got promise it, it, yeah. it, it's got the potential but it just never quite achieved it and don't get me wrong i mean when you play it it, it plays well. I mean, especially when there's a group of you playing it and you've got like four people playing it. It's great. It's a good mm. laugh, but it doesn't have the depth. It doesn't have the silliness. It doesn't have the wackiness that, that you'd expect. And it certainly doesn't have all the little touches that, that yeah. I thought would put into it. Like, you know, I mean, the classic one, which I've said many times, is the flasher. You know, the little flasher that was supposed to jump out from the trees. <laughs> and it, not, or not, not very often, but he would appear now and again. Yeah. And just to put you off, or you'd have like, you know, like rabbits jumping around or, or some other little wildlife. Um, just little things like that, which we never yeah. put in. You know, and that's I think, yeah, thing. those little touches uh, make a difference, I believe. I think I agree with you, actually. Yeah. Yeah, it's um, just a shame it never. Ah, oh, it is a shame. I mean, I, I know you, you didn't personally work on sex, drugs, and rock and roll, but uh, I mean, I, why? Why wasn't that game finished? It, it looks ahead of its time. It looks amazing. It looks very different to your, the usual sort of sensible mm. software sort of game. I mean, was there a sort of day when it was like, this is not happening? Um, the, the the biggest the biggest reason was that the programmer involved with it was was out of his depth and he didn't really um, he didn't really do the job that he was paid to do and it was just one of those things where it just got slip it just slips and slips and slips with the programming and unfortunately with the cost of the art taking like serious amounts of money the uh, the progress of the art side was was way ahead of the programming and in all honesty it wasn't. I mean, like I know what I'm talking about, but um, you know, I'm not, I'm not a programmer. I, mean, I do dabble with programming over the years, but I'm not on class as a coder. But I mean, it was literally a point and click kind of like interactive 
adventure system which has been developed yeah. so it was scripting um and it was like a scripting system so I, I you know from my experience i mean most programmers i've worked with over years could probably do that quite easily you know it was quite um i must say it's an easy job but it, it i don't know it, it, it the program was what what really caused that project to, to fail plus the fact that once it got to the point where um you know the finances were getting on iffy ground um they, they you know it, it the, I think was it one of the companies who was published they they sold to somebody else, and uh, it was it just didn't happen. So and I couldn't get no I couldn't get anyone else to publish it because it was it was very niche. And I think yeah. the I mean Virgin would have been the ideal company to have published it, but that didn't happen. So you know it's a shame. It's a shame. Uh, I I mean Steve, what was uh, must be sad seeing sensible software kind of. You, you were you were in the middle of the the period uh, from the the real sort of big days and it, mm. seeing it seeing it slowly unravel must be quite quite a sad thing to witness. Is that it, fair? Or? It really it really was. I mean, to give you an example, I mean, when we had our first, when I when I moved uh, up to Cambridgeshire and I first got the job with the guys, um, it it was I, the best way to describe it is imagine you 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 have a week away a weekend away of your mates mm. on a bit of a jolly. And you're not off your face on booze, but you you know it's a good it's a good laugh, you know. You you own a laugh, but you're doing that you're doing that all the time. But you're working. That's the environment it was. Yeah. Then as as you progress through, uh, we relocated to Saffron Walden, got bigger offices. I think it was over three floors. So you had like ground floor, first floor, second floor, Um, and you know that was retained for a little while. And then once the um, Sex and Drugs and Rock and Roll started to get bigger and bigger we had more people in they, they, they needed a whole new whole art department had to be brought in mm. um the place started to get a kind of a little bit of a, um, a colder feeling so mm. you know i would for instance i've, I've said this before but I, you know i'd go downstairs to the kitchen to make a cuppa and there'd be people in there i didn't know and i think yeah. i don't know who you are you know um and it's like okay this place has kind of lost its kind of like not i wouldn't say soul but it the warmth had gone Mm. And I thought, well, this isn't the place I, I you know, I, I, I used to enjoy working at. So I ended up looking for, to do something else, you know, which is a shame, you know. Yeah. But I, I, I do wish that, I do wish it had carried on. I do wish we would, we would have somehow survived. Um, and I think it would have been, I think it would have been great to have been able to, you know, got over that rough terrain with the company and, and carry on. But it wasn't to be, you know, it yeah. just wasn't to be. But it was a sad time for me anyway, because I, you know, I'd spent so many good years there. Um and I you know and I made some good friends. You know, I mean I mean, you know, I'm still friends with, with some of the guys now. Yeah, so, that's good. That's good. I do yeah. see I do see a few of the guys now. So um, you know, it's just a shame when you when you've got so much energy and effort into something and then you start to see it unraveling and unfolding into into like you know this pit of doom and you think <laughs> oh my god this is yeah. this isn't gonna this isn't gonna survive you know you just knew and there was a sense of the place wasn't gonna survive you know that's what i felt but this isn't gonna be around for much longer so i got out you know which i didn't want to do but i had to yeah I'm, it's a shame because you know Ah, oh, so many great companies have closed down. I think before their time, mm-hmm. um, it is sad. Um, where did you go afterwards? Then were you still you still worked in games, didn't you, for a good number of years? Yeah, I mean, um, what I I did is I, um, I a friend of mine, we did a uh, we originally was going to do like a little um, sort of PC game, um, and we were just going to just sell that to whoever. 
and we went round and we'd got a demo running and we got a design going and we went around a few publishers and tried to get a deal um and we 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 had a, a few talks with a couple of the big ones and then telstar said to us we would you know we'd be uh you know like to take your project on but could yep. you do this as a, a 3d platforming game we like the characters wow. we like the designs and we thought well we were desperate for the deal we said well we yeah okay and I mean, hindsight, we didn't have a 3D coder, um, mm. we, but we, we thought we can hire somebody. And we did, we signed a deal, and um, that was abstract entertainment we set up, and we had offices in Braintree, and we did a, we signed a deal with Telstar, and that was for a game that eventually, well, it started off as DJ Fresh Adventures in Dreamworld, and then we changed the name to Joe Blow Adventures in Dreamworld, yeah. um, and that was a 3D platform game, very, very, very much like the what Mario 64 was. Um, All right. That, but, but you know, this is before you know the N64 had come out. Really, we were mm. working on it, and then the N64 come out. It was like, oh right, okay. Um, but uh, we did that, and that lasted three years, um, and then that went that went down the drain because <laughs> it never come out. <laughs> yeah. um, and then I went back to freelancing and just and just contracting uh, and yeah. uh, sort of consulting. So um, that was it. But I don't, I don't tend to, and I did, I did probably about 10 years full in the industry after that. And then I kind of, kind of dwindled into doing other bits and pieces. Yeah. 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 So, um, you know, it's, it's a very, it's a very strange thing because it's, um, when you've had success, like with a big developer, people automatically assume that you're set up for life. Yeah. And that's so not the case <laughs> because you still have bills to pay. You still of have course, yeah. Feed. And and so often, you know, you you find that you know people don't want to ask you to to get involved with stuff because I think, well, you know, you're from sensible. Why would you want to work on this project, or why would you want to work on that project? Mm. So um, it's a very strange thing, actually, because you, you you know I've had that a few times over the years where it says, oh, I didn't want to ask you because I thought you wouldn't be interested. So no, no, I'm always interested in looking at projects. You know, it's 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 what I do. I love it. You know, I love all this sort of stuff. So but, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, like a double-edged sword almost. Would you say that? Like, yeah, such huge success. It almost yeah. I get what you're saying, Sue. That's that is a bit weird, though, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's like it's like somebody who's you know who's known for one particular type of thing. Mm. I mean, give an example. Um, for years, I was never employed on projects to do anything other than pixel art. Yeah. And it's like, well, you know, um, I am an artist. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and 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 it's a, it was a really weird thing because people say, oh, I didn't know you could do that. It's like, well, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm an artist. I can do all sorts of stuff. You know, it's not, I don't just do little pixel characters. Yeah. Because that's what you're associated with. Because that's what you've been known for. Mm. And um, it's it's a really weird thing. You know, it's a very very strange thing. I mean, I've, I've shaken that off now because I've, I've, you know, with my website, I've got all sorts of stuff up there, and I'm trying to yeah, upload yeah. other stuff as I as I get time. Um, but it's it's a it's a very very unusual thing. And I actually, it's quite funny because about hmm, when was that? About ten years ago, I got really I got really frustrated with it. I was like, no, I can I can do more than just pixels. <laughs> 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 it's very you, strange. Hate, you hate pixels now? <laughs> no, no. I, actually, I, I do still love pixel art. Um, yeah, I, I love, love it. it. You know, but I, I, yeah, it, it, and I'm, I'm actually, I actually really pleased that people are, are, are taking that as an art form for developing their games oh, yeah. because yeah. you know there's so many games out that have got pixel art. I think it's brilliant, it's really cool. Yeah, it's really I cool. love it. I love that sort of 16-bit Amiga sort of and sort of mm. SNES look. I love it. Um, yeah. What of all the games you've worked on, and you've worked on a lot of games, is there one particular title you're just most proud of? Oh, uh, let me think. Um. 
this might surprise you, but it's not the sensible ones actually. Mm. From a graphics, from purely from a graphics point, not from the game game itself. Yeah. Um, from a gameplay point of view, cannon fodder, because yeah. that is just you know, I just you can play it now and it still plays really really well. From a graphics point of view, and this is my one of my personal favourites is the Last Starship. I mean, that's one project that okay. I worked on, which which. Um, I don't know. I mean, and there was another game I did called The Executioner, which some of the level graphics I did in that I was really pleased with. Mm. But The Last Starship, I'd probably say, is one of those titles where I just wish we'd have had, we'd have had a good programmer working on it because it, it I did so much work on that project and I put so much, you know, uh, effort into creating a look and, you know, I designed the, the graphics so that you know it was only in 16 color but i made sure the colors all worked really well together and you could you could mix a few of the hues together and you could all do all sorts of things and i really wish that that game would come out and we'd had a good program at the time to, to push yeah. that this, this was done before i joined sensible um so i think some of those graphics probably got me the job with sensible yeah so in some respects it's it it, it it kind of paid for itself in the time that i'd put into it but it was just a bit frustrating as an artist to have done something that never really saw the light of day which is why now it's great that you know i can upload these graphics to my website and say look hey this is some of the stuff i did years mm. ago nobody's seen it you might have seen a few screenshots in some of the old magazines but you know these are the original files have a look you know and this is this is what can be achieved in an amiga you know mm. it's just 16 colors so but yeah that's probably the, the biggest one i think is that's yeah the last starship i can't really think of any others because most of the other stuff is just just to sort of you know um just the stuff you do in your day-to-day work when you're working on games and you just you do obviously do it to the best of your ability but yeah sometimes you do something where you put that it's got a personal thing and you think oh, i'm just gonna put a little bit extra in for myself because it's my own kind of personal mm-hmm. project but yeah that's that's probably the one but you can check i mean these files are actually on my website so if anyone mm-hmm. wants to check them out they're on there in the galleries so in the bit pixel art galleries we're, we'll put the your website in our show notes so obviously yeah. if anyone's listening now they can obviously mm. check it out definitely yeah um bit of a crazy question <laughs> if mm. you could if you could step inside any of the games you've ever worked on and sort of live there for a day which game would you choose and why oh wow oh <laughs> that's that's that is man that's a that's a brilliant question that's a bonkers it is, question. Is it I, like, bonkers? I love i love bonkers questions oh that's well that's a very good one um could that be that could be any game from any era i suppose yeah that you've worked on yeah god of what i've worked on probably not because uh, that's a dangerous place right no I'd, i don't think i'd survive too long actually um <laughs> <laughs> oh oh let's think um hmm. i don't know i i would probably say the i'm tempted to say sensible golf you know hmm I'm yeah, to say, quite serene, it's quite, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, um, because it's quite relaxed. It take your time. You don't die in it. <laughs> you so don't. I could, quite, I could live out my days in, you know, in a lovely on a lovely golf course, nice <laughs> bit of water here, little pond. Um, yeah, mate. and there's a lovely little house, isn't there? And when you go between levels, when you go between <laughs> courses, there's a little house I drew. So, yeah, maybe sensible golf actually. Maybe That's a great golf. answer. <laughs> yeah. Why not? Yeah, good one. And I then like I can that. finish the graphics while I'm there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in between shots, in that yeah, kind of, definitely. In that kind of virtual 3D painting that you see now with VR. You know, we can you paint imagine. in 3D with VR. Oh, I'm going to come in and finish this game off now. <laughs> right, it? it's, yeah, it's got poetry almost. That's a great answer, Steve. <laughs> I'd probably, you know, I'd probably, I'd probably turn it into Tron. <laughs> oh, could you imagine Tron? Golf. Like, Tron is Tron is one of my one of my all time faves. So I'd probably end up turning it into like sensible golf from each Tron, <laughs> and there'd be all sorts of things like a recognizer to fly across or something, and uh, yeah, get around the course in the light cycle. 
Yeah, that's, that. that's a strange idea. <laughs> <laughs> you actually just mentioned is, you mentioned Tron. Then is there? Yeah. Obviously, do you, how do you get inspired to do with your art? I mean, obviously you you got a brief and so forth. But do you, is it movies or anything inspire your your amazing work? Um, I I do. It's very strange because going back before the internet, and this is this is a thing that I find really strange. Because when you when you sort of did stuff years ago, you didn't have an immediate source of reference. So unless somebody sent you some files to look at, you know, some like you know, like and I'm talking about actual physical ring bound files rather than <laughs> computer <laughs> files, um, you would generally look at magazines, books, TV, movies, visit the library, or if you're a particular art style of an artist you admire, you'd say, I won't be in the style of this guy or that guy or, or whatever. Yeah. Now, you know, if someone says, well, we want to, you know, we want to do something in this particular style or, or what, what can you do? You, you can just go immediately to a search engine, go to image search, say blah, blah, blah. And you can pull up a whole list of stuff yeah. and you can say, drag them in into a folder. So right, that's my reference. Is that what you're looking for? And they go, yes. And think, right, that's it. And then you use that as your source of reference for what you're creating. This is something which is very, um, it's very good, but it's also very frustrating because I think it's, in some respects, it, it's kind of lost. Uh, you kind of lose your own style. You can, is there possibly losing your own style by doing that? Um, but I don't know. I mean, I, I, I do tend to just look at lots of things and, I mean, I have been told I've got a style with my pixel art. Mm. Uh, I don't know if I've got. A, I mean, I, my 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 certainly my my general sort of um, non digital style is is. I think I've got a style with that. But um, I generally, well, I mean, when somebody wants me, I just I just have a look and see what's about them, and then I make sure they say that's what they're after, mm. uh, or I'll do a couple of rough sketches, and then they say, yeah, that's cool, or no, can you change that? Um, but I mean, it's it's very strange because I don't think people would un- I don't think many people understand how hard it was to find source material when you've got the internet at your feet you know, disposal to yeah. die. You know, I mean, is you just sit there and you just go, I want I want all this all this you know like space art. I want some space art. And you go, yeah, there's endless pages of space art, or you know, I want uh, I want mugs. I want pictures of mugs, and you think, oh, these are these are nice mugs. And someone got blue handles, someone got red handles, and you've got all these you know all these pictures everywhere whereas years ago you didn't have any of that you just had yeah. to kind of go out there and look for it yourself so um, things have changed a lot and i, I think it's great I and mean, i do love all the technology today so it certainly makes makes art creating art a lot easier in terms of the reference material yeah 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 and it doesn't make it a bit easier yeah, good stuff um Stu, are you a gamer in your own time and do you have any personal favorite video games obviously not the ones you've worked on but what do you play what do you play these days um, I, do you know what? I don't actually play that many games these days, and the only ones I tend to play are ones where I can just dip in and dip out quite quickly. Mm. Um, I, I did have a, I did play quite a lot of um, pinball games on the um, on the Xbox. I used to play that quite a lot. Um, what was the one I used to play? Oh, what's the pinball big pinball game on the Xbox? Oh. Oh, I'm not really an Xbox player personally. No, so I don't know no. it's on. I think it's on the PlayStation as well. It's um, oh, there's a big pinball one. It's not the. It's the ones with the. Oh, I can't remember what it's called now. Uh, I just think of pinball fantasies and pinball dreams and the Amiga. <laughs> yeah, I see. I used to play them as well. I used yeah, to play them as games. well. 
Um, but I don't really play that many games these days. If I do, I, do, I tend to load up an emulator and I'll play something on there, like you know, some of the old arcade games. Oh, I, nice. I like playing. I like playing like Galaxians, uh, Galaga. Love Galaga, and I love Galaga 80, 84, 83 on the PC Engine. Oh, I always get confused which one it is. I think it's eighty four. Mm. Um, I love that. It's such a great game. So I do. I do tend to be drawn towards the classic systems. Um, Mega Drive. Yeah. Big fan of the Mega Drive. Love the Mega Drive. Yeah. Um, Strider on the Mega Drive. Love Strider. Um, what else have we got on there? There's, there's just oh, there's so many games, isn't there? Um, I like Turrican on. Yeah, I play Turrican on Amiga. That was great. Um, but I don't tend to play that many games these days. It's just, which oh, is a shame, really. You know, I, I really need to rectify that. I mean, I did have, I did have my my Neo Geo out the other the other month, oh, um, which I'd had in storage, and I I haven't got that many games for it. And um, I was playing a couple of games on that, which which I think I'd put on my Twitter because I, I thought it was broken. And uh, it wasn't. It just needed a clean. So I was, I was so relieved that that was it. Because <laughs> I thought, oh no, this is going to be a nightmare to fix. But like, thankfully, it worked, and I was I was happy again. So, <laughs> oh man, the ideas are so, great. <laughs> it is, and that's one of those machines. You know, one of those machines I would love to have worked on. I would mm. absolutely love to have worked on a Neo Geo. You know. Um, oh, I tell you one another game I I, I did um, used to play a lot, and I did play that when I, early in the year. I got I did Atari Jaguar out. And oh, I played nice. Tempest on it, Tempest 2000. Yes. Which is, which is, the, which is the, 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 the game to own, isn't it, on the, on the Jag? I've got it. Uh, I've got yeah. it myself. I love the uh, Jaguar. Yeah, I do. I, do you know what? I love the Jag as well. And I, I was, I'd love to have done more on that. You know? oh, really? I mean, financially, it's a pain because you, you wouldn't make no money off of it at the time um, because they didn't sell enough to, to, to right. basically make it worth your while. But um, I loved the machine. I thought it was a great machine. From an artist's point of view, it was a really great machine. Yeah, it was lovely. So, and um, do you know what? Yeah. Cannon Fodder and uh, Sensible Soccer are pretty good on the Jaguar, I have to say. They're good conversions, good ports. Yeah. I, 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 the thing is, I did actually work on the uh, Sensi Soccer on the Jaguar. Oh, did you? I, yeah, I did the port for that. Um, a mate of mine got the, got the deal to do the conversion, and he, he phoned me up and he said, look, I've got a deal with doing the, the, the Sensi Soccer. He <laughs> says, would you be interested in doing the conversion? I said, well, of course I will. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, and and the thing you know conversions are one of those things where you, I think you have to res- be respectful mm. of the original. Mm-hmm. And so many so many games that were converted, I think people who developed them, you know, they hand them over to develop a, a company to convert them, and then the conversion company just do their own thing with it. And you think, you know, mm. you, you don't stamp your mark on it, convert it, but don't don't change it. You know, enhance it if you must, mm. but mm. don't change it. And there's so many games which converted to other systems where. I don't know why, but people feel like they need to meddle and fiddle with things, you know, and you think, yeah. don't do that. And I'm, I'm very particular with the artwork. You know, I, I did, um, what's one of the games that were converted? I think it was, oh, what was it? Was it Cannon Fodder? Somebody converted it to, I don't know if it was the Jaguar version, but one of them was converted and the graphics were all kind of, it looked like somebody took a blur filter to some of the graphics <laughs> to, and they'd enhance the colours, but it was done really badly. And yeah. I thought, well, why did they do that? You know, and for me, I had no control over that. So, you know, it's frustrating. So, um, but I, I'd is. love to have done, I'd love to have done more of that sort of stuff. You know, I'd love to have done more conversions. I wish, I mean, financially, it's not possible because you can only do so much in a, you know, in a day. Yeah. So, you know, <laughs> but, but yeah, but yeah, the Jag is a lovely machine, isn't it? I, lo- I do like the Jag. I do, I do ramble with it, don't I? I do apologise. Oh, I, I love talking about the Jaguar. <laughs> the thing is, I, I agree. I think the Jaguar, the Tempest 2000, that's a good example of, pushing the, the console to its limits but not enough games pushed it to its yeah. limits 
yeah and there's there's obviously the um the the jag sd card thing coming out now oh, i can't is, wait which is uh retro hq's doing which is fantastic i've actually yeah yeah interviewed him actually so again <laughs> got some information yeah. about that scene it's been brilliant i can't wait i love i love watching all that stuff i mean i've been watching what he's been doing and I'm, I'm i'm like blown away by what he's been doing with it because for me there's i mean collected jaguar games can be quite expensive oh yeah and I've got a few, I've got quite a few Jag games. I mean, I, I mean, at the time I bought a load when it came out, mm. um, but I never had AVP. I always wanted that. Never had that. And I think that goes for crazy money these days. It does. So just to be able to play some of these games without actually wanting to go out and buy them all, because you, you know, I, I know it sounds like it's dodgy and piracy and all this, but I mean, it's years ago. So it's like, you know, as a collector, you think, well, I just want to play some of these mm. games, you know? and it's just nice to be able to play them on real hardware, not on an emulator. So mm. I think what he's doing is amazing. I'm I'm looking forward to seeing that when it's out, you know, and um, and getting one. So you, uh, so Stu, you don't have any issues with people playing your really old sort of sensey games on whatever drives and so forth, or is that no, not at all, not yeah, at all, yeah. uh, not at all. I think the, the the I mean, in in hindsight, it would be nice if the games industry was like the record industry where. You know, you could earn earn serious coin from your old titles mm. and and live off the live off the royalties. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I mean, that's what all these old rock stars do, don't they? I mean, they they, do. These, they, they, do. they, they have a couple of hits, and they, they the royalties are flooding in continuously. Unfortunately, the the the, the you know the games industry was never set up like that, and it's too late to change. You know, it's yeah. too late to change now because it's everyone is so used to emulation playing games from just downloading the ROMs, you know, I mean, you know, one ROM site shut down, another one springs up, you know, most people have downloaded all the ROMs anyway. So, um, I think uh, for me, I don't have a problem with it. You know, Mm. I think unless, unless it's, unless you're talking about serious volume that you're going to lose. Yeah. You know, um, but it's too late, you know, people are so used to doing it now. It's, it's done, you know, but I do, I have to say, I do like, I do like the idea that, as a, a preservation, um, you know, system, it's great to have all these ROMs available because yeah. these people have, have, have converted all these games over. They're preserving history. They're preserving. Yeah, all yeah, these yeah. I mean, I had some, I had some discs that are dead. You know, I had some Amiga data discs. You know, uh, and they're dead. They've they got corrupted. They're useless. You know, and um, there's loads of stuff. You think, well, these magnetic discs, they don't have a long life. No, that's true. Know? And if they're not stored at the right temperature in the right environment, blah blah blah. They get they they're gone, you know, and all that data's gone. So all these all these ROMs and games and that are out there, it's preserving it, and that's that's a good thing in my book. That's a very good, good thing. No, I like that answer, Stuart. But I mean, yeah. just, just a couple last minute questions. Do you do you still have still have all your old Amiga sort of uh, computing gear and old games and notes and so forth? Or is that long? Yeah, run? no, I do actually. I've got. Um, it's funny as I, I've, I mean, I've I've got. Um, I was talking to Neil from Retro Man Cave about this at mm. the uh, revival. Um, the other month because he'd done some videos for the uh recapping the amiga 4000 and he's he's really knowledgeable in all this sort of stuff and i was talking to him about it and i said i've got like some 4000s and you know i've took the batteries out and <laughs> I, I, i've got to recap them but i've got two 4000s i've got an amiga 2000 i've got an, an a1000 i've got a 1200 and i've got a 500 plus nice and i've basically kept all the machines i've ever used since i started doing video game graphics yeah yeah and I've even got my old Vic Twenty as well. I've got my Vic Twenty. I've got my Commodore One Two A. I've you know I've got I've got them all. Um, and I, I should really sell the, some of the Amigas because I'm never going to use them. You know, mm. I booted one up the other day, and uh, I thought, well, am I ever going to use this again? I thought, not really, probably not. So I think what I might do is just sort of fix them up and then maybe sell them. 
you know. Um, but I have got all my old data discs. I've got all my old, most of my old files. Um, it's funny. I've got like some of the designs for the Sensible Game. Have a nice day, which was also uh, called Office Champions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got, got the level maps for that. All the level designs for that. Uh, I've got some of the um, design specs for that. I've got a lot of the Canon for the notes. I've still got loads of those. Um, what else have I got? I've got most of my discs. Um, the only things I haven't got, I've, I've, there was a, a transition when Sensible was being sold to Codemasters, and I lost some of my work files. It was on one of the other Office Amigas, which wasn't mine. Mm. And I, I wish I'd have backed them up because they've, they've gone now, so I don't know where they've disappeared. So they've probably gone to a hard drive sitting in, in storage somewhere. Um, but yeah, for the most part, I'm pretty good with backing up data. I've got, I've good got stuff. Yeah. And I, and I think you have to, you know, I mean, especially this, this you know, now with these old machines, you don't know how long they're going to last, you know, especially yeah. with them, you know, the hard drives and the floppy disks, they could die tomorrow and you've lost all that, all that work, you know? So, you know, but again, it's great that there are people out there who do it. I mean, they, 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 people, there's loads of people out there who, who quite happily sit there and, 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 you know, take your disks and say, look, I'll, I'll convert it for you, you know, cause it's data preservation. You know, and I'm quite happy to share the files when they when that happens. So um, it's it's good. It's good stuff. Good stuff. Yeah, oh, brilliant, Stu, man. I re- I love chatting. You say it's been so great learning more about <laughs> your, your career. It's absolutely. I, a do, pleasure I do. Me. I do like to have a, a good old chat now and again. <laughs> um, I've got one more final question. It's a yes. bit of a bit more of a uh, bonkers one, but you know, yeah, that's, that's bonkers. <laughs> is fine. That's fine. I mean, if you could share a few drinks with any video game character from any game, uh, who would you oh, choose and why? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, this! Oh, this is the one I answered on the other thing, on the written one, isn't it? You did. So you can, you can, you can give me a different answer if you no, want. No, do you know so. what? I, I, I'm going to stick with that answer of the character from Space Harrier, because because <laughs> I used to, I used to play that when it came out in the arcade, and I played it. Um, we was on at a family holiday to Skegness, yeah, and Butlins in Skegness, and they had a full size Space Harrier machine with the chair, and I played it to death on holiday, and um, that game kind of got embedded in my brain you know and it was like wow you know that space hair was just awesome at the time and i've always thought it was such an amazing world to inhabit the space harrier world you know mm. all these lovely colors and stuff and i thought wouldn't it be cool if you could like take him take him down the pub i don't even know what characters what do you know the character's name <laughs> i don't know top of my head guy with the big gun and the under his arm sit him in the pub give him some like really really strong cider you know the real kind of arty stuff you know like 20 <laughs> percent or whatever it is yeah give him some of that and then get him, get him a bit sort of merry. Say to him, you know, oh, you know, the toilets are over there. When he goes off to a go-a-lo, nick his gun, go out for a nice drive on it. You know, go around the streets, and you got his gun. It'd be lovely. Oh, I'd give that a go. <laughs> oh man, I mean, he'd be, he'd be angry, man. He'd be after you. <laughs> I'll just, I'll just come back and shoot him. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Oh, Space Harrow Freed. It's a great game, isn't it? Um, it's great. I mean, I've, I've got. I've, it is. It's a lovely game, and I've got. Um, I want to get it on the Saturn because I know the Saturn version is supposed to be really good, isn't it? On Sega Ages, and I keep meaning to get that because the Saturn's got a very, very good version of Space Harrier. And I've, I've, I've only played it at. Uh, I've only played it back in the day when it came out, but I never actually bought it. So I need to get hold of that at some point. Do it. Yeah, I want to play it now as well. Actually, <laughs> it's a good game. It's a good game, and and you know, and all those all those Sega games are really good. I think they 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 have such a, a good feel about them, didn't they? Like your yeah, Outrun, Space Harrier, 100%. Um, and then was it Power Drift they did? Which was oh yeah, yeah yeah one of our one of one of one of our Arcade Attack crews. I think that's one of Keith's favourite games. He loves Power. Oh, is it? Yeah, it's one of your favourites. He loves it. <laughs> but it just shows off their technology. I mean, back then that technology was like mind blowing. Yeah. Because you know, I mean, 
you think you'd sit on like an Amiga in D-Paint and you'd scale your brush and it'd go chuck, 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 and you'd scale it and you'd scale it down. Oh, that's pretty cool. But you've got a machine that can do that in real time and not just on one, it'd be doing like, like zillions of objects and it'd just be doing all the sprites we scaling and you think, wow. So, you know, back in the 90s, that was mind-blowing mm-hmm. seeing that kind of tech. Yeah, but uh, it's yeah, it's 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 a lovely thing to look back on and say to to remember those feelings seeing that technology technology come out at the time. Yeah, yeah it's yeah, great. Yeah. As you can probably tell, I I still get quite excited by it all. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Steve, look, we we love we love it. We love anything retro game. We love Sega. We love your you know we love sensible software. Amigas, we're massive fans. Mm. Look, it's been such a real pleasure. You know, we really appreciate the text. No worries, but, mate. But the, the podcast. I know our listeners are going to love this, so thank you so much. No worries, anytime. You know, feel free to give me a shout if you need to talk to me again on anything and uh, drop me any questions. Uh, likewise, if anyone's on Twitter and they want to drop me a message or anywhere, you know, uh, if I see the message or see the tweet, I'll reply. Um, I don't always see them all because sometimes I get quite a few bits and pieces, but yeah, yeah. if I do, I, I do try to reply to everybody. So, um, What's yeah. your Twitter name again? Is it, is it at Stu? Stu? Stu Cambridge, I believe. It is just yeah. Stu Cambridge. Yeah, just one, just Stu Cambridge. So, um, and you've got, yeah, yeah, your website, is it stucambridge.com? Yeah, yeah. I, I try to keep it very simple so everyone, <laughs> everyone <laughs> knows. It's just, it's mainly for me so I can remember, you know. Um, <laughs> Because I used to have, I used to have a, a, a my old my other website was Hobeka, and um, people couldn't understand what that meant. I said, "Oh, and so, um, so I thought, well, I'll change it to my name. You know, I'll have my name as my website, and yeah. and just keep it as that, so it's easy for everyone to remember." And uh, so, yeah. But I mean, Twitter is where I usually hang out these days. I don't really do Facebook at all these days. I've got I've got my Facebook page set up, but I never really go on there. So, if you if you add me as a friend on Facebook, chances are. I won't see it because I just don't go on there anymore. Yeah. Um, I might post on there occasionally as a public post, but Twitter is where I'm usually at these days, and I and Instagram as well a little bit. But uh, the same thing is, you can see me on my Instagram's the same Stu Cambridge, I believe it's, it's Stu Cambridge, isn't it? Nice. So, yeah. Well, look, but all those links are on my website, so you can see them on the top of my website as well. So if you want to check them out, they're all on there. Good on you, Steve. You're a real gentleman and um, love hearing stories today. That's been Um, great talking to you. It's been really good. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We really hope you enjoyed it. If you want to get in touch regarding this week's episode or anything else, you can tweet us at UK, at KeithBarlow82 and at Arcade underscore Adriano. We're also on Facebook at Facebook.com slash UK. Please check out our website at arcadeattack.co.uk for lots of retro gaming goodness, interviews, reviews, features, top 10s, etc. And you can also find all our previous podcasts there. Our podcasts are available to stream from the website and are available to download for free from Stitcher, Podbean and iTunes, where you can also leave us a review and a rating, which we would really, really appreciate. So until next time, take care and we'll speak to you soon.